Tonight's Bible reading from Colossians can be found on page 955 of the Pew Bibles. Um, It's Colossians chapter 3, verses 1 through to 17. Since then you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above, where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. For you died, and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears then you also will appear with him in glory. Put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires and greed, which is idolatry. Because of these, the wrath of God is coming. You used to walk in these ways in the life you once lived, but now you must also rid yourselves of all such things as these, anger, rage, malice, slander and filthy language from your lips. Do not lie to each other, since you have taken off your old self with its practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge in the image of its creator. Here there is no Gentile or Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave or free, but Christ is all and is in all. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness and patience. Bear with each other and forgive one another if any of you has a grievance against someone. Forgive as the Lord forgave you, and over all these virtues put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body you were, called, you were called to peace, and be thankful. Let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom, through psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. It's God's word and we need God's help to understand and for its word to do its work in our lives. So please join me as I pray. Now, Father, we do pray that your word would do its work within us. We thank you for the capacity of your word, the power, the ability it has to change us deeply inside and then work its way out in the way that we live. We thank you for the gospel, for the Lord Jesus, the one who died in our place and whose life now lives within us through the Spirit. We confess we don't always find it easy living your way and yet we thank you that you've given us everything we need to do so. And we thank you that tonight is part of that process. We pray for humble hearts that actually allow your word to be over us. Allowing it to sit in judgment of us, change, rebuke if needed, encourage. We thank you, you are always motivated by love. And we thank you for the opportunity of doing this together tonight. Amen. 
Uh, amazingly, 17 years ago, I was at uh, the church up in Toronto in Lake Macquarie, and I heard a lady speak, and I can still remember what she spoke about. I don't remember many sermons over the years, and yet what she said was so powerful. Uh, she began because she would come to speak, uh, she was going overseas to Cambodia as a missionary. And she said, many Cambodians sleep on the ground, so I've begun sleeping on the ground. Many Cambodians eat rice as their staple food, so I've begun to eat rice as my primary food. Many Cambodians speak the language Khmer, so I've begun to learn Khmer. While not living in Cambodia, her heart and her mind were so focused there that it affected how she lived in the here and now. In Colossians chapter 3, as Paul writes this letter to believers in Colossae, he reminds us that through Christ we've died to our sinful nature and we've been raised alive with Christ. So we now, like that lady, are to live in the light of where our heart and mind is. We are to live in the light of that here in the present today. In the first four verses, Paul gives the principle, a principle that comes out of chapters 1 and 2. And then in verses 5 to 17, he talks about the outworking of that principle. Hearts and minds set on things above. He says, Since then you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. For you died, and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you will also appear with him in glory. Sometimes it's helpful, I was never good at grammar at school, but sometimes it's helpful to think about the grammar of what I've written. Since then you have been raised, it's past tense. It has already happened. Since then you've been raised with Christ, set your hearts on things above. It's a little bit like what Paul says to the Ephesians when he writes that letter in chapter 2, verse 6. God raised us up with Christ and seated us, past tense again, seated us in the heavenly, with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. Paul, as he writes this, says, since, since then you've been raised with Christ. It's not if then you've been raised with Christ, but rather it's already happened. Since you've been raised with Christ, because you have been raised with Christ, so we are, we are to set our values and our identity and our choices that reflect where we already are. I said I was, uh, used to be up at Toronto. Um, we had a guy who um, came and spoke, another guy came and spoke one night at our church. He was a basketball player, played for the then team, the Newcastle Falcons. And he talked about 
in 1994, he was American, he was an, uh, in 1994, he had a claim to fame that he was drafted with Michael Jordan to play for the Chicago Bulls. They actually roomed together. Michael Jordan got chosen and Butch Hayes was his name, he got released. But he talked about, uh, he played a professional career in America and came across and played a professional career in, uh, in Australia. But he talked about, as a professional athlete, everything he did had a single focus and it was all about him as an athlete. He was a Christian, he had a single focus with that too. But as an athlete, what he ate was important his exercise, his sleep, and how he spent his social time, all of that was focused on him being an athlete, single-minded. Single-minded on where his heart and his mind were. The false teachers that Paul was uh, warning the Colossian Christians about, claim that God's kingdom could be attained here and now. Ange talked a bit about that last week. They talked about participating in certain feuds or in festivals. And today there are many things that make promises or claims that life will be given. We'll find new life by embracing their products. Cars, clothes, social media, working out who the good influencers are and then doing what they do. But focusing on things that ultimately, and we all know, never really satisfy. We chase after these things thinking that this will be the answer. This will bring something new to life and we get it and it's like sand that just goes through our fingers. It doesn't satisfy and it doesn't subdue our sinful nature. And Paul, as he writes to these believers, says that life is found in the crucified and the resurrected Christ. And if our focus is generally on him, if we believe he died for us and that we're raised with him, then that will affect how we live in the present. And so he says in these verses, he uses the word set two times. In fact, the, the first time is really the word seek. Uh, it's very similar to set. It's a command to seek or to set our focus and pursue, pursue heaven's values. And the second, set your minds in verse 2, refers to thinking. Thinking on things above, thinking on who we are as God's people have been raised with Christ. Not just thinking on things of this world and what value and how they form our identity here, but on things above. Uh, my eldest son, his name's Matthew, uh, he's in his 30s now. When he was young, he used to 
uh, we used the time to little 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 athletics. Uh, and he enjoyed running, and he did fairly well at it. And he had a hero. He had a hero whose name was Eric Liddell. If you haven't heard of him, maybe you've heard the movie Chariots of Fire. Uh, in 1924, he won gold in the Paris Olympics. He had a unique style of running, but the way he ran and the speed he could run at was incredible. And yet, all that was before him, influenced by the Prime Minister of England, and yet his heart and his mind was focused on things above, and he said no to that career, and he went to China for the sake of the gospel. We got to set our hearts and minds on things above because that's where we are. Paul says, for you died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. That word hidden conveys being secure, in a sense, not being able to be found and to be stolen away. When something's hidden, we know where it is, but other people can't find it. We are safe for eternity, even in difficult times. And yet, that we are hidden also means that other people can't see where we are. And therefore, often Christians are ridiculed. Why do you believe in what we can't see? It's not scientific, it's claimed. Why do you believe? It's stupid. They can't see where we are. But what they can see is the way that we speak and the way we behave. And for many, that might make any difference. But for some, they may never say anything, but they will notice. And so in verses 5 onwards, Paul takes this sense of being hidden and works, what does it mean to be hidden and raised with Christ? How are we to live while we wait for the Lord Jesus to return? Well, he says two things. Firstly, a focus on things above means killing off what does not belong. In verse 3, he said, you died. The principle is you died. And so now we are to put to death, he says in verse 5, and get rid of, in verse 11, things that do not reflect our new nature. And he actually uses two lists in verses 5 to 9. And those two lists are not all that we need to deal with. They're just examples. We are to deal and put to death with anything that does not reflect the Lord Jesus. But I think he uses these two examples because they are things that are often difficult for us to control. About sexuality and about our tongue and what we say. In verses 5 to 11, we read, Put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed, which is adultery. Because of these, the wrath of God is coming. You used to walk in these ways in the life you once lived, but now you 
must also rid yourselves of all such things as these, anger, rage, malice, slander and filthy language from your lips. Do not lie to each other since you have taken off your old self with its practices and put on your new self which is being renewed in knowledge in the image of its creator. Here there is no Gentile or Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave or free, but Christ is all and is in all. This first list that Paul gives is about improper sexual relations outside of marriage. And he says we are to kill. We are to kill off any spoiling of sex other than for what its intended purpose is within marriage. This is so countercultural today. We live in a world where people should be free, we're told, to express whatever they want. And indeed, many believers struggle with these things. Paul says to kill, to be ruthless, and yet to kill anything is hard. Just as I say that, a thing came to my mind. Elizabeth and I took the kids one time fishing and we bought some worms, you know, these great big long worms. Uh, and we didn't, it was just off the spur of the moment we went fishing. We didn't have anything to cut it up, cut the worms up. And so I got a rock and I started and I thought, this poor worm. So I said to Elizabeth, can you do this for me? Even to killing a worm was a challenge for me. To kill anything is hard. But that we have been raised with Christ we means we now have his transforming power to actually kill off or to say no. In fact, one of the fruits of the Spirit is self-control. And along with self-control is the power to trust that Lasting fulfilment is found in Christ. There are so many messages that says, do this, here is the answer. And Paul says, no, fulfilment ultimately is found in the Lord Jesus. In Greek mythology, there were these creatures called sirens. Uh, they were gorgeous creatures who lived on rocky islands, sometimes portrayed as mermaids. And they, they would sing, and their songs lured passing sailors in their ships. And the songs were so beautiful that sailors would dive in, pursuing this enchanting sound, that they would be impaled on rocks and killed. When the mythical Odysseus was preparing to sail past this island, he wanted to hear the sirens sing, so he had the crew tie him to a mast and instructed them to fill their ears with wax. Odysseus went mad with his desire because of hearing, but his actions meant that they were safe. Another mythical man called Jason also was sailing past and he took Orpheus a supremely gifted musician. 
And when they approached this area with the sirens, and the sirens began singing, Orpheus began to play on his harp. Music that was beautiful and sublime and far more captivating than the sirens. And they sailed past. And the sailors were so taken with Orpheus and his music that the sirens did not affect them. Something far more captivating seized them. Now, sinful nature wants to tell us by taking this, we will find satisfaction. But it won't last. But Paul says the gospel is about the eternal fulfilment or the eternal fulfilling of the Lord Jesus. The list, <clears throat> the list adds, and it kind of ends this section by saying greed, which is adultery in verse 5. Greed or covetousness is ultimately about selfishness. All those lists that Paul gave really are, old, are all rooted in selfishness and selfish desire. What we give ourselves to, where we find our worth, what we pursue will ultimately control us and demand our allegiance. Wrong sexual desires are about self-gratification and that will never last in satisfying us. In fact, often wrong sexual desires are really, not always, but often trying to cover up hurts within our lives. We're looking for comfort elsewhere to make ourselves feel better. Where it's in the gospel that we find ultimate freedom. But putting to death seems extreme, it seems extreme language. And yet we find why it is so extreme because Paul says God's judgment is coming. In verse 6, because of these, the wrath of God is coming. And yet Paul also adds, you used to walk in these ways in the life you once lived. In some ways they're beautiful words because they say in the life you once lived. Suggest they had overcome as they set their heart and minds on things above. And Paul then moves on to this other list, a list about our words, what we say to others. Sometimes, not, not, always, not always, but sometimes words come out of my mouth that do not reflect Jesus and they surprise me. My reaction, sometimes maybe my reaction to my wife, I'm quick in what I say and I realise I hurt. And I think to myself, where did that come from? Well, those words came from my heart. The Lord Jesus says, out of the heart the mouth speaks. What we think about
What we focus on is to reflect hearts and minds that are above. You know, sometimes we can turn around and we'll see something and something maybe it's unhelpful to see. We can't stop that. But there are many things that we can choose to allow into our minds. Uh, just a, a silly example. Um, I go for a walk early of the morning uh, and I enjoy walking, um, but I enjoy just vegging out um, and I, I listen to the radio. Um, and I'm, I realise I'm an older man, I'm 65, so I listen to Smooth FM. On 95.3. They're songs that I grew up with. I enjoy, I enjoy them. But sometimes when I pause and I listen to the words, I think it's not really helpful listening to these words. Words from the 60s and 70s and 80s and 90s. Words really about self. Self-gratification. So I try to make a decision uh, to listen to things other than smooth. I don't know if I've gone up or if I've gone down, but I listen now to Hope 103.2. And I do listen to some podcasts sometimes. Um, yeah, there's a church in Newcastle that does a podcast once a week called Homegrown Faith. See, what do I allow in, even though I'm not actually thinking what's going into me is going into my heart and things will come out. Words, thoughts, reactions. Hearts and minds above involve both taking off, putting to death, being ruthless, but also it involves putting on. Paul in verses 9 and 10 talk about both of those things. Uh, I, have a, I have a friend, uh, he's a good friend, um, but he was sentenced to prison many years ago uh, and he was in prison for a couple of years and I would visit him. He was in Goulburn Jail, uh, he got moved to, down to Junee, the, the jail there, and I would visit him and when I did he would be wearing a green T-shirt and green track pants. That's what people in jail wear. It's always green. When he was released, he stopped wearing a green T-shirt and green track pants. He now wears civilian clothes because he now has a new identity. In fact, when I catch up with him, we both wear civilian clothes indicating, A, that we're not prisoners, and B, that there's no difference between us. And Paul says that all who are in Christ have clothed themselves with Christ. He writes, there is no Gentile or Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave or free, but Christ is all and is in all.
And one of the things I think Paul is saying is that we're all equal. As I meet with my friend, we are equal. But I think what Paul is also saying is that those who are clothed with Christ are not to look down on others. For we all have areas that we need to put to death. It's so tempting to find faults in other people. They really should change in this. This is not a godly behaviour. But the reality is there are things in my life that are not godly that I need to put to death. We are all equal in Christ. And the second thing, uh, more briefly, is a focus on things above means putting on Christ and reflecting him. As God's people reflect him in how we function as a community, he writes from verse 12, Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourself with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness and patience, Bear with each other and forgive one another. If any of you have a grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. Let the peace of Christ rule in your heart, since as members of one body you were called to peace. And be thankful. Let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom, through psalms, hymns and songs from the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. To put on Christ is to allow Christ to live his life through us. To live a life of love is to reflect Christ, to be compassionate and kind and humble which is not always easy. It's not always easy when people hurt us. It's not always easy when life is uncomfortable and difficult. But he says we are to live this out as we bear with each other and forgive each other. In fact, to put on Christ is costly. And Paul reminds us of the value of being thankful in doing that and the importance of encouragement. And interestingly, part of encouragement is to come from, Paul says, teaching one another. Uh, I tried to teach the Bible tonight, but Paul says you're all teachers. How you sing is teaching other people as to whether what you believe is really true. Whether you have a Bible and you read the Bible says something. Whether you bring a Bible with you says something about the value of God's word to you. What you talk about afterwards says something about what is important to you. For two years, Rosaria Butterfield an English professor lived with her les lesbian lover while reading the Bible. Uh, as a professor, English professor, she wanted to refute Christianity, so she was reading to find holes. She writes, after two years of this, something happened. 
The Bible got to be bigger inside me than I. It overflowed into my world. And then one Sunday morning, two years after I first met Ken, the pastor who she had met before, and Floy, his wife, and two years after I started reading the Bible for my research, I left the bed I share with my lesbian partner and an hour later I showed up in a pew at the Syracuse Reformed Presbyterian Church. I kept going back to the church to hear more sermons. I had made friendships with people in church by this time and I really appreciated the way they talked about the sermons throughout the week, how the word of God dwelt in them and how they referenced it in the details of their days. Uh, she became a Christian uh, uh, and she married a pastor but hear what she says. I'd made friendships with people in the church by this time and I really appreciated the way they talked about the sermons throughout the week and how the word of God dwelt in them and how they referenced it in the details of their days. Teaching one another. This is a picture of people in whom the Bible dwells. What we allow to go in will come out. Uh, I'm not a computer person, but I know there used to be some, I don't know if there still is, garbage in, garbage out. What goes into us is what we will produce. Unhelpful things unhelpful things come out. Bible in, Bible out. It'll come out in our conversations with people. If we read books, books that are uplifting, that will come out. It comes out as we teach each other through encouragement and even through gentle warnings. I'm finishing, but I began with this lady this sermon that I remember 17 years ago, whose heart and mind was focused in one place that affected how she lived in the here and now. So we who have died in Christ and have been raised with him are to live today in the light of where we belong. There are three, uh, if you use a sermon outline, you'll find on the sermon outline, but there'll be three questions here. Just three questions to reflect on. Is your heart and mind on things above? Where is your focus? What sin do I need to be ruthless with and put to death? What could I use to teach and warn others this week? Let's just take... 30 seconds, a minute, um, maybe just to reflect on those questions. Then I'll pray and then Annie and Nick will come up. Now, Father, we do thank you for the gospel, that our hearts and minds are actually above. We have been raised with Christ. We're seated with him in the heavenly realms. We want to be people of integrity. 
and to live out who we really are as we live here in the day-to-day world. We thank you that we are raised with Christ purely because of what Christ did. And because we are in him, our desire is to allow him to do with us. So would you please help us not just to rationalise, not to make excuses, but would you please help us to begin that journey of being ruthless and putting sin to death. We thank you that the sinful nature has already died, but as we live that out, please help us. And would you help us also to be teachers of one another, allowing the scriptures to work its way out in how we encourage and seek to build others up. Indeed, we thank you for the privilege we have of encouraging others. And would you please help us grow in being thankful. Amen.